the question that often comes uh, comes up from students is, what do you mean when you say dynasty? Right. What do you mean when you say dynasty? See, the king, stay the king, all right? How do you get to be the king? Y'all don't know how to play chess, do you? So? So? So nothing, man. Look, I'll teach y'all if y'all want to learn. I literally have Ryan Switzer everywhere. Enter into the wire, the piece of pro football focus that I'm starting to appreciate the most whether it's from his articles, his sleeper bust, all that stuff. Man, this guy is the truth. I'm just hoping to beat that ass in the Scott Fishbowl. I appreciate him the most from PFF. It's Tyler, Julio Jones' number one fan, Beaker. Welcome into the wire. What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. Excited to talk some football right now and get into it. Man, once I learned that you were a Falcons fan, I almost didn't have you on. Because I'm a Saints <laughs> guy. I'm a Saints guy. So this is a hard time for me to, whew, I had to kind of swallow my pride and do that. So what? how did you become a Falcons fan? Uh, honestly, I'm mostly an Eagles fan, but I always had an affinity for the Falcons ever since that 2004 Madden came out <laughs> with Michael Vick, the cheat code. Um like anybody, I was adored by that uh, Falcons roster and just uh, played time after time with the Falcons. They, they were my go-to, and uh, I built many franchises through them. Um, and over the years, I've still enjoyed watching uh, the guys that they've had, like Roddy White, um, uh, progressing up to Julio now. Um, I don't know, there's something about the, the Dirty Birds that are fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, you got the Dirty Birds, the Falcons, you got the Dirty Birds, the Eagles. I guess you're just a Birds fan, man. The Seahawks, no Seahawks love for you? No Seahawks, no 12th man. No, not here. <laughs> neither here, neither here. I like I like a few players, but I can't support the team. It's just, ugh. So, you brought up the Falcons, like, receivers. Calvin Ridley, what do you think about that dude? Oh, I'm not a huge fan of him, to be honest. Uh, I think he's um, going to be... Not exactly what we're looking for when it comes to fantasy production. Um, not super intrigued in his route running polish, which is what he's been praised for the most. Um, I like receivers that have much better uh, athletic attributes, and uh, he goes kind of lacking there to me. I agree. I agree. He's um, my wide receiver five right now in my rookie rankings, and it's not sitting pretty. You know, I got... My boy DJ Moore, number one. And then I got Michael Gallup at number two. Christian Kirk, number three. Cortland Sutton at number four. And then Traquan Smith at number five, tied with Calvin Ridley. Because, man, Calvin Ridley keeps, like, he can never get into the fifth for me. He's always, like, 5B. And my 5A is Traquan. Just, man, I just, I don't know. I just don't think he's going to be that elite you know, star receiver that people are saying he's going to replace Julio one day and stuff. I don't believe that. I don't, I don't think he even gets past Sanu as long as Sanu's there. Yeah, long term, I'm with you there. I'm not a huge believer. I'd rather spend my rookie picks elsewhere. So, man, look, 
rookies, rookies, rookies. That's what we do here. It's Dynasty, you know, IDP rookie show. Uh, a little bit of Devi sprinkled in every now and then. One rookie I'm finding myself getting for free. For absolutely free. And I love him. He's on my team, the Raiders. It's Chris Warren, a.k.a. the Human Bulldozer. Let me know what you think about Chris Warren. Uh, pre-draft process, I wasn't crazy into him. He didn't have much collegiate production, but he's a wrecking ball at 247 pounds. And uh, you got to admire that one clip that went viral with him unloading the boom on Detroit's Gerard Davis and those uh, joint practices they were holding. Uh, that was insane. That was vicious. Uh, yeah, in fact, that got me super excited for him. Um, come preseason DFS, uh, that's actually the reason why I was actually just tweeting about him the other day uh, because he's somebody that was definitely on my radar for them. Um, 3.43 yards after contact per attempt. That's what he averaged at Texas. That's right in line with Saquon Barkley. That's 3.54 and Ronald Jones at 3.50. Uh, the thing with Warren is just, is he going to make the roster? He's currently maybe RB5. What do you think? I, th- I think he'll definitely make the roster. I think um, DeAndre Washington is, or Doug Morton is the odd man out. I know they can release Doug Morton and save a good bit of money, which to me that that would be the smart thing to do. Get rid of the guy who's injury prone, prone through his whole career. You know, you got the young guns and DeAndre, Jalen Richard, and Chris Warren. Chris Warren, now granted it was against third strings this past week, but in that game he looked awesome. I mean, he looked like a man on a mission, and that's what you want whenever you're bringing in rookies. You want young talent that's, you know, fighting for that starting spot, and they see it, and they're going to do whatever it takes to get there. He kind of reminds me, now not as hyped as David Johnson was, but he kind of reminds me of the David Johnson story where we saw the guy preseason, you know, do some kind of cool things, and then he started as what, running back four on the depth chart? Yeah, and climbed his way up. So I I do think now he's not as athletic as David Johnson. You know, David Johnson is the extreme case, but Chris Warren I think he can definitely be a producer on this team. I don't I don't see any reason why. And he is he's very athletic. He is very athletic, but that's one thing that he doesn't have is the college production, like you said. College production is a big thing. You know, it's a big um, fortune teller, so to say, of what's going to happen at the pro level. You don't see many players who didn't produce well in college become stars in the NFL. You see them sometimes become role players, but not stars. So sticking on the rookie topics, who's your impact rookie of the year? What's one rookie that will have the best impact on their team this season and why? Uh, can I give the obvious answer here with Saquon Barkley? Um, <laughs> I, I've just been watching him since day one. Uh, I'm a big Penn State fan, and he's got the chops to tear up the league right away. Uh, he's already my dynasty RB1, given his age and potential role that I'll have with the Giants right away. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a better answer that's not Barkley, um, and that would be Naheem Hines. Uh, I'm going to let others try to take the Tariq Cohen and Chris Thompson's in like round seven through eight this year, and I'd much rather take Hines in round 11. Um, Colts defense is a train wreck. They're going to be trailing in games often. And Hines is just like a phenomenal receiver out of the backfield that I see taking a ton of checkdowns and getting a lot of work in no huddle offense. Wouldn't surprise me at all if this coaching staff gets frustrated with Marlon Mack. He had a lot of inconsistent play last year, boom or bust. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if they relegated him to a part-time role, which allows us to see a lot more Hines. Uh, In Luck's last full healthy season, Frank Gore saw four receiving touchdowns that was a career high 
the la- the year prior to that, where Luck played a full season, he threw to Ahmad, Ahmad Bradshaw a career high six times um, for receiving touchdowns as well. So we're seeing here that Luck loves to check down to his running backs in the red zone, and I think there's top 24 potential here for Hines, um, but he's currently being drafted as RB46 in redraft. I think he's just a potential steal here coming into this year. Man, you kind of broke my heart already. Marlon Mack is my guy. You know, the dude is athletically gifted, you know, out the wazoo, in my opinion. He's 5'11", 213, or 215 right now. I mean, in college, he was he was good, very good in college. He had better seasons than David Johnson did. He had six yards per carry. Um, great, great burst and speed from him. Not really strong. But I do think that he's the feature back to own there. So I can't agree with you on that. But what is enticing is Naheem Hines lining up at wide receiver and slot and running back and all over the field. He will be on the field at the same time as Marlon Mack or Jordan Wilkins, I would believe so, from what I'm seeing throughout camp. What if he's their slot receiver? Is there any potential there for fantasy production? Yeah, I mean, we know the wideouts aren't anything to write home about. they got T.Y. Hilton, and that's about it. Um, I'm taking some stabs with Ryan Grant, but I'm not putting a lot of eggs in that basket. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Eric Ebron getting flexed out wide, and I think we could see Naheem Hines as well in that role. Um, both guys, I think, would flourish in the slot. Man, Naheem Hines, he could be like a J.D. McKissick kind of, right? He could be a J.D. Mm-hmm. McKissick kind of player where, or even a Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery where you got to, no, he's not as not as big, but whenever you have to put the tag on him of a wide receiver running back, I think he can definitely be a good producer. I mean, who else, like you said, who else do the Colts have? They have nobody. They have Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant, Reese Fountain. Um, Deion Kane's out for the year now. Yep, Deion Kane, Eric Ebron, maybe? Is he going to line up at slot? Is he going to be that big body slot receiver we see? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they might run a lot of two tight end sets, but Naheem Hines is definitely a running back who you can get. He's the best value running back in the fourth round of your, you know, startup uh, rookie draft or whatever. He's He is a great value right now. You can't tell me otherwise. Who else are you going to get in the tenth round? No, I don't know, but it's going to be Naheem Hines for me. That's what you should do. So, you got Naheem Hines. Did you get Naheem Hines in the Scott Fishbowl? No, I did not. Scott Fishbowl, I, what I did do, though, is prioritize those type of receiving backs. I've got Duke Johnson, Jarek McKinnon, Darren Sproles, Rex Burkhead, Devontae Booker, guys that I know that can catch the ball out of the backfield with that points for uh, – per first down um i thought i wanted to get some guys that were capable of both rushing and receiving to get those so what are you going to do about Devonte booker whenever royce freeman becomes the god there oh i wanted royce don't get me wrong uh, the booker's just <laughs> grabbing depth at the position um i'm i'm ready for the royce freeman show though i think this guy is going to come in and light it up right away look i'm not even supposed to touch on my rankings in the show but it goes barkley royce freeman Chubb, guys. Was that pre or post Geis injury? It's post Geis. Well, no. I moved him in front of Geis 
two weeks before the injury, but man, I've been watching film and I gotta tell you, this dude's he's the real deal. I mean, I I really just can't no, he has flaws, don't get me wrong, but he's a, you know, he's a prolific college producer. I think he started all four years at Oregon, correct? Correct. I mean, yep. The dude has it. He has the sauce, he has the the swagger, you know. The only other running back with the last name Freeman has been pretty damn good in the NFL. <laughs> so I think <laughs> if the track record is going by last names, Royce is going to be, you know, he's going to be something good. And this Denver Broncos offensive line has improved. The offense as a whole has improved. Case Keenum, the most prolific college quarterback ever, is their quarterback. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, two top 20 talents at wide receiver right now. This offense is going to work on defenses. They're going to score points. Royce Freeman is already getting, you know, the first team looks almost all of the offseason now. There's on Roto World, there's reports coming out of Royce Freeman, the starter. Royce Freeman starting sooner than later, blah, blah, blah. Royce Freeman was the starter when he got drafted. I think he yeah, can I'm catch. Yeah, I'm all about it. I think he can catch and rush. Devontae Booker, uh, he broke my heart last year and the year before and the year before that. He broke my heart so many years, I, I just don't understand. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand what's his deal because I thought he'd be really good whenever he came into the league, but I think he's just a guy now, and that kind of breaks my heart. You know who did draft Royce Freeman and Scott Fishbowl? Me. I drafted him. And I had to because of the whole LaShawn McCoy controversy that happened literally like six hours after I drafted him. That was devastating for me. Where do you view LaShawn McCoy right now in a fantasy perspective? We're sticking to football here, folks. Not touching on all the morals and stuff that's all outside of the show. What do you do with LaShawn McCoy if you have him? And are you drafting him if you don't have him? I've sold every share I have of Shady this offseason. Um, I think the last trade I did was for a future 19 first and James White. Um, I was happy to get a first for McCoy, and I thought White was gravy. Um, this year, I'm entirely fading. He's going in the third round of uh, redrafts right now. I don't want anything to do with him there. Um, the thing with McCoy is he's going to see a ton of volume, but that offensive line is in shambles. They're going to be trailing a ton. We don't know their quarterback yet. Uh, if it's Josh Allen, good luck. Um, I don't even know <laughs> if he can complete checkdowns. His accuracy is woefully bad. Uh, Shady's just a guy I'm avoiding. I agree with you. I, uh, I just sold Shady for a first-round pick in a dynasty league that I then flipped for another first-round pick and ended up drafting Royce Freeman at the 103. Sony Michelle at the 105. Then you know who I got at the 108? Darius Geis. That's a fall for Geis. 108, man. 108. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? At the 108? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was after, I'm pretty sure, a wide receiver went in front of Geis. Um, on Johnson went in front of Geis. Um... Literally every other running back went in front of Geis. The running back that was drafted next after Geis was either Hine, 
or Balage. Does that tell you anything about people right now in fantasy football? In Dynasty and Redraft, do you think that they're just overvaluing injuries as much? They're not using them as a buying opportunity? I think there's a huge ed- edge to be had in Dynasty Leagues, and if I had more time, I'd join more. Uh, I, I I joined way too many last offseason where I thought the same exact thing, kind of wore myself out and didn't give each team enough attention that it merits. But if you have the time, there's a huge edge to be had in Dynasty Leagues still. I mean, the whole the whole thing with Alshon Jeffrey, you know, getting away from rookies, Alshon Jeffrey's going to open the season on the pup, blah, 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 blah. He has to drop in your rankings, right? Man, come on. He had surgery. He's going to open the season on the pup, but he's going to be healthy. He played all last year with the injury. We've seen what he can do. Use it as a buying opportunity. I mean, look at Geis. Use it as a buying opportunity. Look at Hunter Henry. Use it as a buying opportunity. Deion Kane. Uh, third round ADP right now, I think, in startups. Late third round. Give somebody a fifth or the last round of your rookie draft and I can guarantee you they will let you buy Deion Kane for that because there's people dropping him there's people giving him away for free man y'all have to start thinking for yourselves this is football this is people get hurt this is the most physical game on the planet next to MMA people get hurt buying buying low on these injuries is definitely one way to find yourself a profitable dynasty owner 100%. Look, say, hey, I'll give you the last round of my draft, blah, blah, blah. Talk it up. It's a great pick, blah, blah, blah. Next year's class is full of wide receivers and maybe three or four running backs that I want throughout the whole draft. It has a lot of tight ends in it that are eh, except Noah Fant. He's amazing. And they also have a few IDPs that I would like. Blah, blah, blah. Here's all the people that I would target in that round. They'd probably do better than a receiver coming off an of injury. And bam, you got Deion Kane in your grasp. That little trade strategy right there is probably the most conniving strategy. Um, in a, Are you in any in- international leagues? Um, yes, one. Okay. Is that like people outside of the U.S., correct? International? Correct, yep. yep. So I'm in one that's full of Australians, right? And Australians are some crazy sons of a gun like they're just oh they're they're lunatics man they're lunatics and i don't i don't mean it to you know say anything against australia or australians but the people in this league are ridiculous they're ridiculous whenever i say ridiculous i mean i wake up to probably 120 messages of them bashing each other for fun and then they're like hey you want to get lunch today oh sure 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 <laughs> I mean, it's insane. There's this one guy, and we formed a coalition, right? We we traded, and uh, he's like the the jackass of the whole league. He just really just makes everybody feel like a fool and harps on everybody and stuff. So I couldn't align myself with him because he was the enemy. And I said, man, you know what? He's probably a really good dude. So we started talking. Yeah, he was a pretty good dude. He calls himself the bull. Because uh, I guess if you mess with the bull, you get the horns or some shit. <laughs> and uh, he definitely made my day today. You know, we formed a coalition, kind of ganged up on a guy today. It's just some good old fun. 
And I never thought Australians would be like this with football because they have rugby and stuff there. I never thought that they'd be interested in American football like this. And he said, um, today on your show, you can announce how well a bull can type with hooves. And he referred to himself as a real bull. And I read it, and it didn't hit me at first, but whenever I finally read it, I said, ha ha, a bull with hooves typing. I mean, man, they have jokes. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy, but they have some weirdly interesting trade tactics where they'll just talk shit on a player for weeks and weeks like since the draft started talk shit on a player then they're all secretly trying to get that player <laughs> and it's just they're trying to bring the value down and then I'm the one with the player and I'm like man are you serious sneaky moves sneaky, sneaky moves <laughs> so I, I like international leagues I'm glad that uh that you know that people play this worldly this is a great game and it helps you enjoy sports. I mean, if you remove, you know, if you remove fantasy and money and betting from sports, it's hard to get into if you don't have that camaraderie of people around you that like it. So I think this is very good. just wanted to kind of give a little shout-out to that league because they really do brighten my day. That's the league with the most communication, literally 120 to 400 messages a day go through that chat. And it's, you know, it ain't even the whole league. It's probably like eight people out of the 12. So, good things there. League communication is a must. Uh, If you didn't hear it before, now you heard it from me. It is a must. If you don't communicate with your league members, your league will not last. That's, That's the facts. So, moving back to the questions. You know, we got off track and stuff. A big old thing you're seeing now is hashtag brand. Oh, this is my brand, blah, blah, blah. Well, who is your hashtag brand? Or who is the guy you're targeting everywhere, you know, redraft and dynasty? A guy I can't stop drafting right now is Kenny Stills. Uh, he's easily my second most owned player this year in uh, best ball leagues, and he's just someone I can't stop drafting. Miami has the second most targets up for grabs in the league this year. We're going to have Devontae Parker drawing the top cornerback coverage. I mean, Stills running against number twos. Miami led the league in pass play percentage last year, and Stills was ninth in air yards. Man, I'm all in. I love Stills. I liked Stills whenever he was with the Saints. I wish we would have kept him whenever he was with the Saints, Mm -hmm. but we didn't. And we have that knack of getting rid of players and them blowing up on other teams. See Malcolm Jenkins, see Darren Sproles. Um, Wow, two Eagles, what do you know? (laughs) (laughs) But... See Kenny Stills, man. I mean, let's let's be real. Do we expect Devontae Parker to take that jump? No, I don't. Uh, somebody, I don't either. I'm right there with you. Real quick question: Naheem Hines or Devontae Parker? So you're getting Parker in like the seventh, eighth round now of drafts. Hines isn't going until ten, eleven. At that value, I'd much rather take Hines and get a better wide receiver there in that seven, eight range. So stri- straight up, who would you take? You know, straight face value, not draft value, but I think like, I take Hines. Wow, because <laughs> we know we know we're getting in Parker. Um, <laughs> you're getting a headache. Yeah, you're getting a guy maybe 800 yards. I don't know. Good. The quarterback situation isn't helpful either with Tannehill. We haven't seen him really come back and do well yet. Very um, good answer, man. What are we gonna do if the Dolphins and the Bills are really good this year? I don't know if I'm gonna ever watch football again. <laughs> It'd be something. <laughs> Nothing will make sense ever. So you're getting 
Kenny Stills everywhere. What would you be trading for him if you want to get him? Ooh, uh, I'd be looking for to buy. I'd probably be looking for a second round pick and something else to throw in. Um, I don't think you need to throw a first to get Stills because um, he's a guy who does have some inconsist- inconsistency week to week, and the owner of him probably is not starting him. He's probably that wide receiver four, wide receiver five on their roster. Uh, see, I don't think you need to throw a ton at him. I'd say a second and an additional piece could likely get the job done. And he's not a hot name either. You know, you see Kenny Stills and you're like, eh, it's okay. But then you look into his production and you look into his opportunity, which is production and opportunity, the two most important things ever. Bam. You got a potential wide receiver too. I mean, that's his ceiling, right? Wide receiver two potential. Touchdown almost every week. Big game. I think so, yeah. I mean, he's a speedster. He's definitely faster than Devontae Parker, in my opinion. And they also have a guy, Albert Wilson, who's going to be lining up all over the field. Albert Wilson was amazing in separation last year. I, I don't know if you've seen that stat, but he was number one. He was better than Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, not Alshon Jeffrey, better than Jarvis Landry, who they just got rid of. What do you think about Albert Wilson while we're on the Dolphins? Man, I was such a big Albert Wilson fan until I read Adam Gase wants to move him to the outside and take him out of the slot. <laughs> Adam <laughs> Gase. Just shaking my head. Like, what are you doing? You don't need to feature Danny Amendola. Feature the, Bart. The classic coach speak of Adam Gase. Oh, yeah. Uh, it'll be a 50-50 split between Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore. Yeah, we're going to move Albert Wilson to the Z spot on the outside and have Devontae at the X and Stills and Amendola at the Y. And let's just let's just do that, guys. That's the best. No. No. Albert Wilson's, what, 5'9"? Five, 5'10"? Five, <laughs> Are you kidding me? He is someone to hold on to, though. Uh, definitely by. Hopefully we see him start out slow with this terrible offense and this terrible change of position. Um, then I'd start pouncing because I think he's a great buy. And whenever they get Shea Patterson next year or they sign Nick Foles, um, I think he'll have some value. Yeah, definitely be on the upswing by then. Nick Foles, man. That could be next year's Kirk Cousins. That's some that's some crazy stuff right there. Thinking about, yeah. like, man, Nick Foles, backup quarterback for the Eagles, Super Bowl champion who beat out Tom Brady in his own game. He could be the quarterback of, the, of next year. I mean, wow. And what can you get for him? I mean, what can you trade for him in Dynasty? You can literally trade a third-round pick for Nick Foles. Better than any quarterback you'll get in the third round of your rookie draft. So keep that in mind. My brand is Alex Collins and Lamar Jackson. Everybody knows that. That's my that's my thing. That's my people. That's my boom. Lamar Jackson, Alex Collins will be... A duo for the ages. That's what I believe. Alex Collins, RB1. Lamar Jackson, QB1. Ravens, watch out. They're on the rise. Nelson Aguilar, though. I like Nelson Aguilar. Do you like Nelson Aguilar? He's a guy I think that's prime for some regression here. Uh, Out of all wide receivers last year, he was top 15 in the amount of the percentage of his fantasy points stemming from touchdowns. He scored eight last year. Uh, I just. I think touchdown regression is inevitable for Carson Wentz. Um, he was above that 7% mark, which 
is very unsustainable year to year. The best is Aaron Rodgers, who uh, barely eclipses six. Um, so I think Wentz's natural regression down will ultimately ultimately take a hit on Aguilar, who should lose a decent amount of touchdown equity. Um, I think he's going to be great in the slot for them, but there's just so many mouths to feed where uh, on a week-to-week basis, uh, any of these Eagles receivers could go off. And and by receivers, I also mean tight ends or running backs. Uh, they're not they're exploiting the opponent's weaknesses. They're not trying to shove it down uh, Alshon Jeffrey's throat or anything. Um, it's really spread out, which makes me hesitant, I guess is the word to say, to invest in anyone really here, aside from Wentz. Um, Wentz is just, I don't know, he's the syrup. All right. He's yeah. What is it? Uh, my friend Rummy uh, always calls uh, the quarterback the syrup and the rest of the people the pancakes, where the syrup sprinkles down and uh, covers everybody else. Um, so getting Wentz, I think, would be my move here instead of trying to get any of the receivers. That's a smart move. I mean, you're gonna do that with the Cowboys as well. Uh, Dak Prescott is the one that benefits from having all the receivers. Instead of just picking a receiver, you pick the guy who benefits from them all. Why not? They're they play fantasy too. They play football too, you know? Uh Alshon Jeffrey posted a line of I think fifty seven what was it, seven eighty and nine touchdowns? That's off the top of my head. But Nelson Aguilar, sixty two catches, seven hundred sixty eight yards, and eight touchdowns. He had one hundred twenty five points last year in fantasy and Alshon had 138.9 points. Alshon was playing hurt, but I do think that this is what the Eagles wanted Nelson Aguilar to be whenever they drafted him. You remember the hype that came with him? They said, man, this guy's going to be our next great receiver, blah, blah, blah. I think this is what they wanted, and I, I really do think he took that third-year leap, as some people say, but regression is a high possibility, very high possibility. So yeah, wide receiver twenty two is what he finished last night or last year. That's going to be tough for him to repeat. I agree. I, v- I very much agree with the Alshon Jeffrey, you know, being healthy and stuff like that. But one thing I do find myself doing is being cautious when drafting Alshon Jeffrey because of Nelson Aguilar, because there is that chance that Nelson Aguilar is just this. He is this good. There's a chance. We've seen him in the first two years, um, you know, do 200 yard, 280 yards, 365 yards with receptions of 23 and 36. He doubled his production, almost tripled it. There is a chance that this is him. This is what he does. I love the Denver wide receivers, though, and we don't know what they do at all. We don't know the ones I'm talking about are Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton, Carlos Henderson. Those are the receivers I love because I'm getting them cheap in every dynasty. And we don't know what they do yet. But what we do know and what I know from reading Tyler Beaker's article on ADP players that they agree with at Pro Football Focus. What I do know is Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders will be top wide receivers this year. Am I wrong? 
No, I agree 100%. Uh, Thomas is a guy who's seen 140-plus targets each of the past six seasons. Uh, he's a guy that I'm steadily targeting, and I think he gets overlooked. Uh, he's been doing some crazy new diet. Sounds like he's in the best shape of his life, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but they're also, what I found interesting was they're also trying to move him around uh, in different positions this year, um, have him run out of the slot, out wide, right and left. Um, I think he has an interesting uh, range of outcomes this year if he's able to stay healthy. Uh, and Sanders, see, Sanders is one of the best values in the draft this year. You can get him in around seven or eight. Um, he's just shy of a thousand yards almost every year. Um, in fact, he had three straight thousand yard receivers uh, prior to last year, so he could get back up to that plateau um, pretty easily here with Case Keenum at the helm. Would you believe me if I told you in a baseball league, I got Sanders in round twelve? That's stealing. <laughs> that is stealing, my friend. I mean, let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. He went at the same time that uh, who was it? Somebody reached on. I think Mike Wallace, maybe. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was by far the craziest draft. I, I don't know who I was drafting with. It was one of those random best balls, and um, yeah. So I got Thomas. He is. I mean, did I say Thomas? I meant Sanders. Got Emmanuel Sanders, and it was either round 11 or round 12, but man, uh, whenever I saw that, I shit my pants. I thought <laughs> I thought I was being punked. <laughs> One other guy who you seem to like is Brandon Cooks with the Rams. Now, I don't like Brandon Cooks with the Rams. I don't. I'm against it. I traded away my shares of Brandon Cooks for, you know, high wide receivers because I think Brandon Cooks' dynasty outlook is amazing. But I need to win now in Dynasty. I play to win the game now and worry about the future as I go and win. Why do you like Brandon Cooks? Uh, he's just been one of the most productive wide receivers we've ever ever seen. Um, coming out of the gate, he's been blessed playing with uh, Drew Brees and Tom Brady. But he's just put up 1,000-yard seasons time after time again. And uh, I don't think we're going to see Sammy Watkins 2.0 here and with the Rams. Uh, I think we're going to continue to... St- See Cooks be an up and down wide receiver too. Um, still be a volatile nat- uh, given his, the nature of his play, but I think he's a guy that we can rely on this year as a, a guy that could give you steady wide receiver two position, steady wide receiver two fantasy production. Interesting, interesting. You know, I'm I'm kind of I like Cooper Cup in that offense and Todd Gurley of course, but Cooper Cup if I'm picking a receiver, uh, man, it's just hard for me to. Brandon Cooks is just boomer bust to me, right? Does he not seem like the ultimate boomer bust? Uh, generally, yeah, but I think this Rams offense is going to have a chance for them to take deep shots, and Vey is enamored with Cook's speed. Um, I think he's going to be used all over the field this year. Um, question is, how often do they need to throw? That's that's one thing I'm worried about is the potential volume, uh, given how well they've upgraded this defense, uh, this entire offense looks phenomenal uh they, they could just be rushing the ball every second half for most of these games i'm worried about it on the reverse side for Gurley. i mean man what if they pass more you know i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm freaking out i mean if you have Gurley right now what i suggest usually is trading him for a boatload i mean literally getting amari cooper joe mixon um let's see darius geis like a, a package deal where it's like superstars would you do that? Yeah, I don't think we'll ever see his value at this point ever again. Um, 
he had six receiving touchdowns that were caught behind the line of scrimmage. That doesn't happen. Um, I don't. I don't foresee him ever reaching this ideas now. Where what is he? The RB one uh, getting consensus? Definitely, definitely RB one. Uh, two years ago it was David Johnson. Just want to point that out. Everybody's forgetting about David Johnson. He's going as like the eighth pick sometimes in startups. Come on, really? It's David Johnson. It's David freaking Johnson. Yeah, and it's not like he's coming off a leg injury. That was a wrist injury. Yeah, a fluke. Fluke injury, just like Corey Coleman gets. Corey Coleman is a great buy right now because all his injuries are fluke. I think he has an all right future with the Bills if they ever get a good quarterback. Or one that isn't a long-term prospect like Josh Allen. I mean, come on. You expect him to come in and start right away? The dude has to learn. He has to learn more about football. Or he's going to be playing tight end. Who's your college of choice, like, watching football-wise? Uh, that'd be Penn State. Penn State, okay. You said that earlier. I just wanted to make sure I have that for the record. What? Why are you a Penn State fan? Any specific reason? I grew up in central Pennsylvania, so... Well, there you I've go. I've always... Yep, there you go. <laughs> An hour away from Happy Valley. I'm a Georgia fan, and... Um, I love Georgia running backs. You know, going back to Noshawn Marino, he kind of got me into the Georgia football. Noshawn Marino and Matt Stafford and all that goody-goody stuff. One Georgia back I love is Todd Gurley. But my second favorite Georgia back is Nicholas Chubb, who I don't know your stance on it, but from reading the article you wrote, a lot of people are up and down on him at PFF, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. We're actually pretty divided on it. Um, I am one of the people that's super into him, though. Um, Chubb's a guy that I think is a great buy now, considering that there's so much uncertainty with Carlos Hyde's role, Duke Johnson's role, who they just extended. Um, I think Chubb is a perfect buy, considering they can get out of Hyde's contract after this next year. Uh, Chubb was phenomenal in his final season at Georgia, he showed no signs of that knee bothering him anymore. 15 touchdowns that year, 1,300 rushing yards. Uh, he's a 98th percentile spark score athlete. Um, he's just a guy that I want everywhere. And it's <laughs> much that I wanted him that I would trade future 19 first uh, just so I could get him and trade up and get him at 106. and 106 or 107, anywhere he fell that, anytime he fell that far in any of my drafts. So Nick Chubb in 2014 posted a 1,500 uh, rushing season with 14 touchdowns, 18 receptions for 213 yards, and two touchdowns. So you're looking at, from scrimmage, about 17, almost 1,800 yards and 16 touchdowns. Do you know how good of a season that is? That's better than anything Saquon Barkley did in his whole career. Yeah, he's a buy. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Chubb is definitely a buy for me. I mean, everybody's hyped on Saquon Barkley. But Nick Chubb was Saquon Barkley before Saquon Barkley came onto the scene. People don't understand that. They look at the injury and they say, oh, it's an injury. But, man, three years down the road, he's back to normal. He he split time his whole career. His freshman year, he split time. Sophomore year, split time. Got hurt. Yada, yada, yada. Last year, split time. The dude is a prolific running back at the college level. Splitting time, he put up those numbers. He's splitting time this year. Now, do I think he'll be a 1,000-yard rusher? Hell no. 
but I do think that he can be a very good running back this year at the price you're getting him. He's going as the RB35, I think, 36 in redraft. Dude, give me Nick Chubb. Come on. You think Carlos Hyde's going to do something in this Cleveland Browns offense? Do you think Duke Johnson's going to do something? I think Nick Chubb is the most talented out of all of those, and he can definitely do something. Redraft, I'm buying him, just like you said. I'm offering a first, or I'm offering even players. You know, I, I offered um, Jay Ajayi, and I got Nick Chubb for Jay Ajayi. I thought that was a great buy for me. Uh, Eagles-wise, you're a fan of Corey Clement or no? Uh, not terribly so, no. Um, there, it's just there's so many mouths to feed in this Eagles running backfield. Um, we've seen uh, Peterson likes to rotate his backs. Um, I'm just not super into it because I don't think we'll see a JGI injury. Uh, well, that's not true to say. We could always see that. Um, and if that were the case, I'm not sure, though, that Clement would take over that kind of role. I think we'd see the carries split up more amongst the backfield. They do have some names there, like Darren Sproles returning in the backfield. I do think that he's going to be a contributor somehow, some way. What I do love about Corey Clement is that if you take the time that J.J. arrived to the Eagles and you take Corey Clement's time from then on to the end of the season, on less touches, Corey Clement outproduced J.J. Yeah, he finished the year on a tear. I think he can definitely be a great buy right now. And... All his value could do is go up. He can't really go down because he's the backup on his team. So I do think he's a good buy. I don't think he's third string. I think he's second string with Sproles becoming third string. But proceed with caution there. I'm proceeding with caution there as well. One last thing on players that y'all disagree with where you are. Kenny Galladay. I have something I'm kind of doing right now called the Galladay Uprising where that's Galladay coming and taking over for Marvin Jones. I see it happening sooner than later. What do you think about Kenny Galladay? Galladay is that traditional X receiver where he just dominates uh, on the outside, and um, he's somebody that I want everywhere. He's the perfect stash for me. The Lions are an offense that passes a ton. Um, They run a lot of three wide receiver sets. there's just a lot of reasons here for Galladay to be uh, someone you should be after in dynasty leagues, and I don't I don't know how long we're gonna have Marvin Jones uh, lead them in targets. Um, I think Galladay could take over for him the next year or so. I mean, Kenny Galladay is a physical freak. He I mean, six four, two hundred eighteen pounds, with a catch radius that's phenomenal. The dude dominates. At the point of the catch. He goes up and fights for it. That's what got him the name Babytron. I mean, I think he can definitely surpass Marvin Jones at the end of this year. Mid-season, I I would say. I mean, I I think I got Kenny Galladay in the Scott Fishbowl, which I'm very happy about. (laughs) Just just wanted to touch on that. Were you happy with your Scott Fishbowl team? I forgot to ask. I was kind of lukewarm with it. So I started the first round with Gronk. Uh, Gronk, somebody I'm trying to get in every league. He's another one of my hashtag brand guys, uh, just because he could lead the league in touchdown scoring every year he's healthy. And there's not many players you can say that about. 
So he's somebody that I wanted for sure, especially given the tight end premium scoring of the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, but I wanted to start Gronk and Travis Kelsey. And I got sniped with Kelsey going right before my second round pick. So I wasn't able to get them both. Um, I'm kind of happy, though, getting Gronk and Julio as my starting two players. But I did want to start out double tight end because I thought not many people would have that combination. I uh, I didn't. <laughs> I, I did it. I um, what I did was kind of looked at the scoring, but didn't really understand it at first. Didn't really sit down and look at it. I glanced through it and said, "Okay, I need this, 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 yada yada yada." Um, looked at my stats and stuff of first down scores over the past three years, the most consistent. Did stuff like that, and then I reached for Greg Olson in the fifth round. I did not like that whatsoever, and um. After that, I really can't even name you my next tight end. I kind of screwed the pooch on the tight end part. But I did get some hype targets, and I did get guys like Ryan Griffin, who will probably start for the Texans. I don't think Stefan Anderson is going to do anything. So I'm hoping there's little shots in the dark. Oh, and I took Ben Watson. Took Ben Watson. So I'm hoping that. Ben Watson is something of a, a mirror of what he did with the Saints before he left. Uh, I don't see it happening, though. But my running backs and my wide receivers, I started DeAndre Hopkins and Julio. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins and Odell. Odell fell to me in the late second, so I kind of had to take him. I wasn't excited about it because I heard that um, the strategy that Anthony Amico did where he takes heavy wide receivers is the strategy to lose so we'll see you know he he was doing it so i did it i said that's fine i'll bleed him at his own game and then i kind of flaked on it and went running back round three and four so i don't know we'll see i'm nervous about it man i'm nervous i'm very nervous about the scott fishbowl but i always like hearing about people's strategies and that's something that i suggest you do in all your leagues just now we talked about his strategy Figure out how your other people draft and kind of write it down or something. Kind of take note of their trade strategies, draft strategies. It's very helpful. So maybe I'll use Tyler's strategy next year if the rules are similar. Maybe I'll beat him with his own strategy. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) One guy who's beaten me with his own strategy. I don't even do this strategy. He does it. It's Andrew Luck and his new mustache. He's practicing and looking great, man. <laughs> He's looking damn good in that mustache. I just saw on your Twitter that you're moving him up in your draft boards. Is that because of his mustache game? Of course. I mean, that dude is ripped, and he's got a rocking mustache. He's a buff Burt Reynolds out there. <laughs> he looks like that 70s football player. He looks like that old football player who's ripped with mustache. Maybe he'll grow the handlebars out and leave them all season. He already has (laughs) the handlebar going into the neck beard. How do you like that look? Uh, That's that's unique. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) When are you drafting? Uh. When are you drafting mustache look? So I've currently got him as QB nine in my rankings right now. Um, We touched on it earlier, but I'm just not crazy about the weapons he has around him. So he's not someone I'm aggressively targeting and generally there's somebody in my draft room that wants him a little bit more than i do um but honestly all these quarterbacks are so close this year it's very easy to just sit back and wait and take i'm honestly in all of my leagues i'm probably going to take the quarterback 
my third to last pick before I take a kicker in defense with the last two. You see, I'm seeing him going in startups. He's going after like Patrick Mahomes, man. So would you, I mean, yeah. I'm taking Andrew Luck over Patrick Mahomes every day of the week. I'm seeing Jimmy G go before Andrew Luck right now just because people are scared. And that's in like the sixth round they're taking Jimmy G. And I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you taking a quarterback this early, number one? And two, Andrew Luck is still on the board. Why didn't you jump on him? So I'm taking him in the seventh round. Uh, redraft, I'm proceeding with caution because I did draft him last year. And um, it didn't turn out well, evidently, as you can see from the sound of my voice. I'm kind of getting depressed. <laughs> no, uh, I, was, I was the same thing with you there. Uh, it was just such a tease because every couple of weeks they'd say, oh, looks like he's getting ready to play, and then hold him out another month. That coach um, speak, man. Coach speak is the devil. Yep. I don't understand why these coaches do this shit to us. Bill Belichick is the worst. And I love Bill Belichick, but he's the absolute worst. You know who's right behind him? Chuck Pagano. I mean, dude was hyping Andrew Luck all last year. I mm-hmm. understand, but man. Oh, come on. Come on. That hurt my feelings. Well, anyway, in redraft, I'm drafting him in the seventh round redraft and in the seventh in startup. Um, in startups, if I'm feeling good about my draft and I'm like, look, I got two running backs because you always go running back first and two wide receivers, then in the fifth I'm pulling it on Andrew Luck and then streaming quarterbacks if it don't work out this year because I do think Andrew Luck's going to come back and he was a top three quarterback for how many years? Yeah, get Andrew Luck. He is, I mean, he's a cheat code whenever he's healthy. So, speaking of cheat codes, who is your cheat code that you're getting right now? It's your personal cheat code that you're not letting anybody in on until now. This is the exclusive, um, you know, premium little tidbit of you, of your brain. This is your cheat code. Who is it? So, I got two cheat codes here for you. One is a quarterback, one's a wide receiver. Uh, I'll start with the quarterback here. Spicy. Yeah, I play in a lot of super flex leagues and a lot of 16-team leagues, and that just means there's scarcity at the quarterback position. And my general drafting philosophy rarely has me getting the Aaron Rodgers types quarterback. Um, So I'll give you a surprising answer here, and it's Blake Bortles. Uh, He's gross. It is gross, (laughs) but it's sustainable. He's averaged over 350 rushing yards per season in his career, and he's typically tacking on two to three rushing touchdowns each year as well. In fact, it's helped him reach a top 12 fantasy finish in each of the past three years. I'm not sure many people realize that that Bortles has been a top 12 fantasy option each of the past three years. And uh, he's just my under-the-radar Konami code. He's... Blake... Okay, look, I give it to you. Yeah, he's been good. But it's Blake Bortles, man. (laughs) That's what everybody says. (laughs) It's Blake Bortles. I don't... Why don't people like this guy? I mean... Uh, why don't people like this guy? <laughs> He's tough to root for. I'll give you that. Um, <sighs> but he gets it done. He gets it done. You're right. Uh, and he's free. You don't have to pay nearly anything for him because, honestly, he could be out of a job in a year or two. Um, there's, I don't have much longevity uh, optimism for him, but I'm riding it until it fades out. Uh, let me get into the other guy that I think is a cheat code, and it's Michael Crabtree when it comes to receiving touchdowns. Um, I just think he's perennially overlooked. Over the past 
three years combined, Crabtree has accrued the 14th most fantasy points of all wide receivers in PPR. He's accrued the fifth most touchdowns during that span. And while chasing touchdowns is volatile, only Antonio Brown, Doug Baldwin, DeAndre Hopkins, and Odell Beckham have surpassed Crabtree's 25 touchdowns over the past three years. Uh, He's now entering an offense that has the most targets and the most air yards available. And there's a huge opportunity for for Crabtree here. I think he could capitalize and finish as a high-end top 24 wideout here in Baltimore. That's some scorching-ish right there, man. That's that's hot. That's you're dropping the guy I've had year after year after year on my fantasy teams, and there's a reason why I'm always in the fantasy playoffs. Crabtree scores touchdowns. Oh goodness! I mean, dude, can you get any better information from somebody than this? I don't think. I don't think. No, no, you can't. That's why I like Tyler's stuff. I mean, dude, he makes Pro Football Focus look amazing. More amazing than it is, because sometimes the website gives me a headache. But this guy's stuff, dude, the information you get from him is just insane. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Had to give you a round of applause, because, man, that... Good shit, good shit. So, that I mean, Konami code player, cheat code players, these are the players that nobody else realizes are that good. Just gave you the reason why Stinky Bortles is good and Crabtree's good. I like Dak and Tyrod for quarterbacks. Tight ends is someone I'm going to throw out for, to you right now. I like Gerald Everett. He has great upside. Yes, yes, you are speaking my language. In fact, right now, I'm working on a trade as I'm doing this show. Let me just talk you a little bit through it. This guy wants to give me his third pick for, let's see, for John Brown, which I like John Brown. So I'm saying throw in Gerald Everett and we got a deal. So third pick, third round pick in Gerald Everett for John Brown. What do you think about that one? You think, yeah, yeah, Gerald Everett's worth it? I have Kelsey, but that's my only tight end. You're making me choose between two people I really love here. I'm a big John <laughs> Brown fan as well. Uh, I think Smokey's a really good receiver, and uh, he's turning heads in camp, looking really good. Um. I'm doing it. I'm doing <laughs> it. I mean, my – let's see. My team in this league is – Andrew Luck, Joe Mixon, David Johnson. I'm a very good drafter over the years. Michael Thomas, Juju, Devontae Adams, David Njoku. Then it gets bad, bad, bad. John Brown, Martavis Bryant, Chris Carson. Had to say that real quick. That's that's my starters. But, man, I got Ryan Switzer on the bench. I got my boy Hunter Henry in IR. I guess he just lives there now. Rest in peace. And I got my boy Trent Taylor who I love. So there you got it. That's my cheat code, Gerald Everett, Charles Clay. Literally telling you I'm doing it right now. I will post a screenshot as the background of this show if you need me to. That's who I'm requiring in leagues. It's not just me who likes him. You just heard it here. Gerald Everett is going to be a beast. I think he can blow up this year. I think he can definitely put up a five-touchdown line and the price you're getting him. 
I mean, you're getting him basically undrafted, right? Yeah, he goes undrafted, yeah. And if you can get him and get, say, 505 TDs with, uh, I don't know how many receptions, but let's say 30 receptions, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, duh. I like Charles Clay, too. I think Charles Clay is going to be the best receiver on the Bills. Just because you have that rotating door at quarterbacks and they tend to rely on their tight ends for short success. Um, one thing I do like for long-term success and short success is the Draft Genius kit. It's a draft kit that we're putting out at Sleeper Wire. It literally has everything. It has people from all over the industry contributing to it. Rankings for Redraft Dynasty, IDP, anything really. Literally, Devi rankings. I mean, there's everything you want. There's material that you can't find anywhere else. You know, it has all kinds of in-depth receiving stats, uh, target data, and everything like that. And it's continuously updating throughout the year. So this is something that you want to get. You can find it by contacting me, going on the Sleeper Wire Patreon or the Dynasty Wire Patreon. Um, Sleeper Wire Patreon is Patreon slash Sleeper Wire. And Patreon.com slash Dynasty Wire is where you can find my Patreon. I put out special little shows for my patrons here and there. If they request a show, I do a specific show specifically for them. I will record an actual show, sit down on my butt, and record specifically on what they want to record. Patreon's great, and that's how I keep the show running. So look into that and stay tuned for the draft kit. It is coming out within the next few days. The greatest value of 2018 is this draft kit. But who is your greatest redraft value? I don't really touch on redraft that much on the show. But who is your greatest redraft value this year? Mine is Jordy Nelson. Because what if he just had a bad year? And you're getting him very, very late in drafts. And he becomes the 1B in Oakland. Who is your great value? I love that call. I don't think Jordy's lost a step at all. Uh, well, my, I've got a couple people that are some of my favorite values. Uh, one of them is Rex Burkhead. He's a guy that I think could outperform even what some of his favorite backers are saying and finish as a possible mid-RB2. He's a do-it-all back on one of the most prolific offenses. Uh, the Patriots lead the league in the most uh, amount of drives that end up in the red zone. Um, there's just so many reasons to go with Burkhead that I think he's a slam-dunk pick in the fifth round. Uh, another big bargain guy that I like is Tyler Lockett. Uh, he's somebody that I think... Given the recent news surrounding uh, Doug Baldwin, uh, I'm a little concerned about it. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think Lockett has a really good chance of beating his ADP. Uh, the Seahawks have 217 targets available in the offense. That's a huge opportunity for Lockett. I'm not concerned about Brandon Marshall or any of the tight ends that are trying to take over for Jimmy Graham's role. I think they're all lackluster at best and I think Lockett's the guy that stands to benefit the most um, he's routinely available in like the 12th round or so of, draft, of redrafts this year and he's a guy that I want on every one of my rosters I really like Tyler Lockett I'm not a Mar Darbo fan I mean I just can't trust Tyler Lockett that's the problem I like him in Dynasty but in redraft I just can't trust him one person I do love is Rex. My goodness. He's going to be the goal line back for the Patriots. Are you people crazy? Are you crazy? Don't be crazy. The answer is in front of you. It's Rex Burkhead. Come on. Come on. 
Greatest value of 2018, Rex Burkhead for Tyler. So, did you get Rex Burkhead in the Scott Fishbowl? I did. I did. And I plan on riding him to the finish line. Look, man, look, no need to rub it in. I already knew the answer. <laughs> I already knew the answer to that question. I just didn't want to, like, accept it until I heard it from your voice. Uh, for those of you that haven't got it by now, we are enemies in the Scott Fishbowl. I do hope to beat him, but he has a nice little running back core. I will give him that. And he has some scary, scary first down potential. First downs give you extra points in the Scott Fishbowl. That's why it's such a big deal to get players that get you first downs. Um, that's really all I want to talk about the Scott Fishbowl because Tyler's team intimidates me. And I don't get intimidated often, so that's that. Moving on. <laughs> it's because I have Blake Bortles in the Scottish Bowl, isn't it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was hoping you would mention that. I was looking at your team and... Uh, look, man, look. look. I don't, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I don't want to talk about Blake Bortles. I, I can't do it. It's I've mentioned, <laughs> I've mentioned him on this show more than I've mentioned him in the past existence. I don't think I've ever mentioned him this much throughout my whole life combined. So, yeah, it's a, it's a heartbreaker. He was okay in college. He wasn't bad at all. So, got Blake Bortles out of my system. You can't say QB1, Blake Bortles. But who is your future lock-it-in QB1? He isn't a QB1 now, but next year or however long down the road, he will be a QB1 for good. Oh, I misread this question. I thought you meant who is the lock-it-in QB1 for the future, as in... Well, anyway, let me just say, I don't see anyone taking Aaron Rodgers off the QB1 pedestal for quite some time. He is my lock-it-in. If I'm doing dynasty rankings, I'm leaving Aaron Rodgers' name there from now until 2023. I think nobody comes close to taking it away from him. Uh, Here's his fantasy finishes over the past decade. Uh, QB2, QB1, QB1, QB2, QB2, QB26, where he was injured, 2, 10, 1, and then 29 last year where he was injured. The guy finishes first or second every year. Um, I only have Rodgers in one dynasty league, but I'm so confident in his week-to-week performance that the only backup I have is Josh McCown. Wow. That's crazy. What about, like, going forward? Who do you think is going to be the a future, like, let's, let's see, let's spin it, a future QB1 for fantasy, like a top 12 guy? Who do you think is not top 12 now, rookie or veteran, that will be top 12 going forward for years to come? His name is Blake. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. Um, he was simply magnificent in his final year. Uh, most accurate quarterback we've ever charted at PFF, whether it was under duress, on the move, deep downfield. Baker just had phenomenal accuracy, and I think that's something that will translate right away to the next level. Uh, it's also why I'm so adamantly against Josh Allen because uh, I really highly prioritize accuracy with my quarterbacks. Um, Baker's the kind of player that I want to invest in for the long term. Um, he also has the ability to pick up yardage on the ground when things fall apart. I think that's crucial to keeping drives moving and uh, continue to accrue fantasy points. Uh, Baker's a guy I think could be a locked-in QB1, maybe entering 2019. Hey, I like it. I like it. Do you guys at PFF have like a like a little you know email that goes out and says hey you have to mention that baker is the best quarterback we ever rated 
<laughs> do we all do it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I've seen it through everybody from PFF, even the people who just write it in one article form. They end up mentioning it. You know, PFF, the highest-rated quarterback was Baker Mayfield. Man, it's like I've seen it everywhere, and nobody really believed in him. It's great to see him go number one. I don't like him because we played him in the, in the uh, Rose Bowl, and <laughs> he looked at the camera and did the little slit your throat thing, and that kind of that kind of ticked me off. He got he got in my gears big time, but I do wish him success, and I hope he's the most successful Browns quarterback ever. Really, uh, I really would like to see a Browns quarterback as a QB one. That would make my heart flutter. You're st- well, okay. You're starting. I really, I just got my answer, so I don't even want to ask this question, but I will. If you're starting a franchise today, who you got? Baker, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, Josh the Goat Allen, or Sam Darnold? Yeah, it's got to be Baker for me. I mean, like I said, I highly prioritize accuracy, and he showed it at every level. Um, it's going to be Baker for me with Lamar Jackson a close number two. I knew the answer. I just <laughs> I wanted you to say Lamar Jackson because this is a Lamar Jackson show. But I will take Baker, and I do like Baker. But man, Lamar Jackson, you got to give the man some credit, huh? Lamar Jackson, no- dude, he's. Uh, I mean, man, it's Lamar Jackson, people. He's about to blow up. I think he can have a better season than Deshaun Watson. Am I wrong? Am I wrong for that? Deshaun Watson was highly efficient. Why can't Lamar Jackson have the similar season? I think it's a reach. I mean, we've seen Deshaun Watson's touchdown percentage was a 9.1 something. That's unsustainable. Um, Best season he'll ever have from a touchdown percentage. And it was only for like, what, five games? Uh, Lamar Jackson over the course of a year, though, I think he could put up as equally impressive a year over the course of a year than what Watson did in his five games, relatively speaking, considering it's a short, small sample there. You broke my heart. Well, I didn't mean that to sound negative. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me rephrase it a little bit. There is no player I'm more excited to see than Lamar Jackson coming into this year. And I think it's just a matter of time, hopefully by the end of preseason, that we see Lamar start out there week one. I, I definitely, I mean, no, I didn't want to give you a hard time. I just, man, Lamar Jackson, I really do think he could come in and put up Michael Vick video game numbers, you know? I think he really is that talented. And for Vick himself to say that Lamar Jackson has more talent than he did, that's saying something. You know, that's that, that'd be like uh, Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady coming out and saying, well, you know, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, or Carson Wentz has more talent than I did. I mean, that's basically anointing somebody. They better be good or they're going to look like a doofus. I mean, this is the Lamar Jackson show, and he will be a QB1 in the future. Take it or leave it. But <laughs> I do like your stance on Baker and Lamar. I do like um, my my rankings go Lamar, Baker, Rosen, Darnold, Allen. Um who you see that surprises some people so who do you think you take higher than the consensus that surprises others at quarterback hey what's up guys producer matt here we're gonna go ahead and leave this episode on a little cliffhanger like we like to 
So make sure that you tune back in for the next episode so that you can catch that sweet little quarterback tip that they were talking about there at the end. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon.